Hi, I'm Linwood Barclay. Welcome to the Broken Promise podcast. This is the third of four parts adapted from the novel Broken Promise. In a number of my other books, uh, which I set in Promise Falls, you might have come to know a detective by the name of Barry Duckworth. Uh, Barry plays a large role in this novel, and as we get to the third part, we're going to see what he's up to. Detective Barry Duckworth, on this, the 20th anniversary of his joining the Promise Falls Police Department, was thinking he was facing the greatest challenge of his career. Would he be able to drive past the donut shop on his way to the station without hitting the drive through for a coffee and a chocolate frosted? After all, if there was ever a day when he felt entitled to a treat, this was it. 20 years with the department, nearly 14 of them as a detective. Wasn't that a cause for celebration? Except this was only the second week of his latest attempt to lose weight. He tipped the scales at 280 pounds in the past month and decided maybe it was time to finally do something about it. So, two weeks earlier, he decided the first step would be to forego the donut he inhaled every morning. It wasn't the only step he was trying to take. He'd cut out dessert. Well, okay, not that wasn't exactly right. He'd cut out his second dessert. Whenever Maureen made a pie, especially if it was a lemon meringue, he could never limit himself to one slice. He'd have one regular wedge after dinner, then go back and tidy up the edge of the last cut. That was usually just a sliver, and how many calories could there be in a sliver? So he would have a second sliver. He was a block away from the donut place. I won't pull in. But Duckworth still wanted a coffee. He could drive through and just order a beverage, couldn't he? Was there any harm in that? He could drink it black, no sugar, no cream. The question would be, once he was in the line for the coffee, would he be able to resist the... This car was equipped with Bluetooth, so he didn't have to go reaching into his jacket pocket for the phone. All he had to do was touch a button on the dash. Another bonus was that the name of the caller came up on the screen. Randall Finley. Shit, Duckworth said under his breath. The former mayor of Promise Falls. Make that the former disgraced mayor of Promise Falls. A few years back, when he was making a run for a Senate seat, it came out that he had, on at least one occasion, engaged the services of an underage prostitute. That didn't play so well with the electorate. Finley vanished from public view for a time, nursed his wounds, then started up a water bottling company after discovering a spring on a tract of land he owned north of Promise Falls. While not quite as big as Evian, he had named it with typical Randall Finley modesty, Finley Springs Water. It was one of the few around here that was doing any hiring, mainly because they did a strong export business. Hello, Duckworth said, taking the call reluctantly. Barry! Hey, Randy. Where are you, Finley asked. You in your car? I'm on my way in. Well, I'll swing by Clampett Park, south end, uh, by the path. Why would I want to do that, Randy? Well, there's something here you should see. Randy, maybe, if you were still mayor, I'd be at your beck and call, and I wouldn't mind you having my private cell phone number, but you are not the mayor. You haven't been for some time, so if there's something going on, just call it in the way everybody else does. Well, they're probably going to send you out here anyway, Finley said. It saves you going into the station and back out again. Barry Duckworth sighed. Fine. 
Yeah, I'll meet you at the park entrance. I got my dog with me. That's how I came across it. I was taking her for a walk. It? Well, just get over here. The trip took Duckworth to the other side of town, where he knew Finley and his long-suffering wife, Jane, still lived. Randall Finley was standing with his dog, a small, gray-haired schnauzer. The dog was straining at the leash, wanting to head back into the park, which bordered a forested area, and beyond that, to the north, Thackeray College. It took you long enough, Finley said, as Barry got out of his unmarked cruiser. I don't work for you, he said. Well, sure you do. I'm a taxpayer, Finley said. He was dressed in a pair of comfort-fit jeans, running shoes, and a light jacket that he'd zipped up to his neck. It was a cool May morning, the fourth to be exact, and the ground was still blanketed with dead leaves from the previous fall that had, up until six weeks ago, been hidden by snow. What did you find? Duckworth asked. It's this way. I could just let Bipsy off the lead and we could follow her. No, Duckworth said. Whatever you found, I don't want Bipsy messing with it. Oh, yeah, of course, Finley said. So, how you been? Fine. When Duckworth did not ask Finley how he was, the ex-mayor waited a beat and said, I'm having a good year. We're expanding at the plant, hiring another couple of people. He smiled. You might have heard about one of them. I haven't. What are you talking about? Oh, never mind, Finley said. They followed a path that led along the edge of the woods, which was separated from the park by a black chain-link fence about four feet high. You lost weight? Finley asked. You're looking good. Tell me your secret. He patted his stomach with his free hand. Duckworth had lost all of two pounds in the last two weeks and was smart enough to know that it did not show. What'd you find, Randy? Well, you just have to see it is all. It must have happened overnight because I walk along here with Bipsy a couple times a day, early in the morning, before I go to bed. Now, it was getting dark when I came by last night, so it might have been there when I, then and I didn't notice, but I don't think so. I might not even have noticed it this morning, but the dog made a beeline for the fence when she caught a whiff of it. Duckworth decided not to bother asking Finley any more what it was he wanted to show him, but he steeled himself. He'd seen a few dead people over the years, and figured he'd see plenty more before he retired. Now that he had 20 years in, he was better than halfway there. But you never really got used to it. Not in Promise Falls, anyway. Duckworth had investigated several homicides over the years, most of them straightforward domestics or bar fights, but also a few that had garnered national attention. None had been what you'd call a good time. Just up here, Finley said. Stop it! Settle down, you little fucker! Bipsy settled down. That's right there, on the fence, Finley said, pointing. Duckworth stopped and studied the scene before him. Yeah, it's pretty weird, huh? It's a goddamn massacre. You ever seen anything like this before? Duckworth said nothing, but the answer was no. He had not. Randall Finley kept on talking. If it had been just one body, or even two, sure, I, I wouldn't even have called. But look how many there are. I counted. There's 23 of them, Barry. What kind of sick fuck does something like that? Barry counted them himself. Randy was right. One short of two dozen. 23 dead squirrels. Good-sized ones, too. 11 gray ones, 12 black. Each one with a length of white string, the kind used to secure parcels, knotted tightly around its neck and hung from the horizontal metal pole that ran across the top of the fence. 
The animals were spaced out along a 10-foot stretch, each of them hanging on about a foot of string. Finley said, I got no love for them, tree rats I call them, although I guess they don't do that much harm. But there's got to be a law against that, right? Even though they're just squirrels? <laughs> 